Hello, and welcome to The Cynical Podcast, where we take deep dives into the shallow waters of today's blockbuster movies, star-studded films, and most hyped popcorn flicks. We're your hosts, Clacia, Malika, and Will, and today we're back to talk about the long-awaited MCU film, Black Widow. Ooh, the pockets. So, this is your spoiler warning. We will be talking about all the details of the plot of Black Widow and probably the MCU. So if you haven't seen Black Widow or most of the MCU, what are you doing? Get it together. You're going to be spoiled. You've been warned. Get it together. I mean, we've only been in this fucking MCU for like 15 years of this. Like, come on. The good news about this movie is that like it's baked in spoilers. Everyone who saw it really this movie is. already knew the spoilers. Right. Courtesy of Letterboxd, here's the recap for Black Widow. Don't sponsor us, Letterboxd. <laughs> we, we don't, don't want your money. Oh, God. Anyway. (laughs) We're not your little money whores. They need our money. They just went through bankruptcy. They (laughs) They need our money or we need their money? You know, whichever. Both. So we're sponsoring them? Let's just trade. (laughs) Is that what's happening? Let's just exchange Uh, money back and forth. Anyway, courtesy of Letterboxd, here's the recap for Black Widow. Natasha Romanoff, also known as Black Widow, confronts the darker parts of her ledger when a dangerous conspiracy with ties to her past arises. Pursued by a force that will stop at nothing to bring her down, Natasha must deal with her history as a spy and the broken relationships left in her wake long before she became an Avenger. So, Will, Malika, it's been a while. How are you doing? Good. How are you, Clyde? I missed you guys. It's been oh, too thanks. Long. Missed you too. Aww. But what did you think of Black Widow? Oh. <laughs> Oh, okay. I guess we could talk about movies while we're here. Is that what we do here? I liked it. I thought it was good, but I feel like that's all I can say about it. It was your standard Marvel affair. There were quippy jokes, some fun action. It was well put together, top to bottom, enjoyable, but nothing that to write home about. You know, it was like if someone were to ask me, should I see this movie? I would say, do you like Marvel movies? If the answer is yes, I'd say, go see it. If the answer is eh, then my answer would be like eh, no need to. It's okay. To be fair, I feel like that's true of all Marvel. Like at this point, no, I agree. who are these people just jumping yeah. in like twenty movies deep? Like <laughs> there hey, are people though. There are people who do that. Right? Like I haven't Should seen I anything. See I didn't like it because I didn't know what was going on. Like well, maybe you shouldn't be just randomly watching. This right? Movie. Did you watch Return of the King without watching the first two <laughs> Lord of the Rings? Like what are you doing? There are a couple together. Marvel movies that I think stand yeah, they alone, are standalone are enjoyable. Like Thor Ragnarok. I think that one standalone is just a good time. I mean, that's just a really good movie, but yeah. yeah. But anyway, I actually really did like this movie. I thought it was great. I think it, like you said, Will, it fit in perfectly with the larger Marvel universe. It wasn't like Ragnarok. It wasn't Endgame level, but I thought it was on the same level as like maybe Captain Marvel or some of the... Like an Ant-Man maybe. Yeah, like some of yeah. like the run-of-the-mill, like middle-of-the-pack movies. And that's okay. I think it's fine. I think they had a lot of challenges here because they were trying to create a movie that fit in a very specific amount of time that didn't disrupt all that they've built already that happens after or didn't counteract too much of what they've shown us like that has led up to this moment. So considering they had this like sliver of time in which to create a compelling movie, I thought they were pretty successful. Yeah. I really enjoyed this movie, but like I'm fine with it being kind of disposable or not as high up, you know, in the larger MCU rankings because I felt like the release around this movie was so fraught as it was because you think about this is the only female Avenger from the original like run of the MCU. She did not get her own movie 
even amongst the buildup of all the other characters in the Avengers outside of the Hulk that did get their own movies. So there's like a lot of, I think, expectation and weight around that of like, hey, Disney's finally making a female-led original Avenger movie. Like obviously we got Captain America, but like she clearly is coming in to take up the mantle as like the second phase of the MCU. It was just really weird that the Black Widow, who we'd spent so much time with, we didn't really know that much about her backstory. Like they would just reference Budapest and things like that with her and like right. Hawkeye, but we never got to see any of it. So I was really excited about it, but I think because of the amount of time that it's passed, like people's expectations were either really high or just like they were just at the point where they're like, okay, how are they going to pull this off? And I think they actually skirted the line really well of making an engaging film that like explores his character and gives a little bit more dimension to someone that we've mm -hmm. spent several movies getting to know yeah. while also not disrupting the larger MCU narrative, like you mentioned, Malika. And I think, you know, obviously a lot of people would say that's to potentially the movie's detriment because it could have been a lot bigger and a lot better. But at the same time, it's like, you kind of know what you're going to get at this point with MCU. And this hit all those right notes for me. So I had a great time and I would definitely watch this movie again. I'm just kind of getting ahead of myself, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think many people would disagree with me that Natasha definitely got the short end of the stick, especially with her tragic demise in Endgame. And this movie kind of felt like a tribute to her, a goodbye to her. But it almost like, even though I did enjoy it a lot and I cried, I laughed, like I had all the emotions you're supposed to, it hit a lot of like good beats for me. But it also just made me feel like it was too little too late. Like this character deserves so much more. And you're finally giving me a movie that's like, here's this like little little like crumb for you. And yep. honestly, Completely I'm not agree. even the biggest Scarlett Johansson fan. And I still was like this character, she was the strong female character in this series, or this universe that we have been following for more than a decade, a decade and a half. And to see like, okay, here's this one little movie and you're not going to get any more. And we're going to really use it to set up a new series starring a male character. And yes, there's a sister. I don't know. It just felt a little cheap. I don't know. I'm still, yep. I'm very conflicted because I, as its own movie, I loved it. I had a good time. But as part of the larger situation at hand, I'm still a little bitter, I think. I agree wholeheartedly because- Especially with Captain Marvel, which that movie had its own plus and minuses, but you know, they have this Captain Marvel movie that the big theme is like pushing this strong woman superhero. Mm -hmm. And it's like you've had your answer for that character the whole time in Black Widow, but like, and she's been a through line through right. most of the MCU. Like, since Iron Man 2, she's been in. In yeah. so many different movies, so many different franchises uh, within the MCU. She's such a strong MCU. relationship with each of the different Avengers. Right. And for her movie to come after she died in the story. And then for me, Loki, one of the most emotional parts of Endgame was when they were doing the credits at the end and they showed all of the like original the Avengers and their signatures. Yeah. I was like, damn, like we've been with these people for yeah. 10 years and this is their goodbye. This signature like solo shot is their goodbye. And it, it really felt like this is the last time we see Scarlett Johansson as Natasha Romanoff, AKA the black widow. And then for it to come back now, 
while I did enjoy it, it felt like same way. Exactly what you said, Malika. A little too little too late. Right. Yeah. I don't think I realized this until I watched this movie, which made me even angrier, is that in Endgame, we don't get a funeral scene for Natasha. Like, she dies. There's some, like, oh, what happened to Nat? But that's kind of it because, like, there's so much else going on in the world, and I get that. But not until this movie, years later, do we even get, you know, somebody laying flowers at her grave. And it's like, oh, come on. She deserved more than that. So I think like all those emotions were warring in me as I was watching this. And honestly, I think I like cried more than I would have had that not been the circumstance because I was like every little emotional moment she had, I was like, oh man, you're sacrificing, you know, yourself. Or you're off to go like join the Avengers, but like, oh, you're going to die. <laughs> this is how you die. I don't know. It added a lot of emotion, which I think was the point, but I, th- I don't know if my bitterness helped at all, let's yeah. say. Yeah, I completely agree with your point about, like, it. F- there was, like, a cheapening of this movie because of the context in which it's released. And I don't want to, like, bring down, like, the crew of the movie, but you can even kind of see that in, like, who was selected to direct the movie. Like, so the director is Kate Shortland, who's an Australian filmmaker who really hasn't made, like, any notable feature films, at least in the United States. Like, it seems like she's had a pretty consistent but, like, sparse career directing feature films, mostly back in Australia. And it makes me think about how there was the rumor of, you know, Patty Jenkins potentially coming on to direct Captain Marvel. I'm like, where was all the energy and, like, attention and and glam around Black Widow? Like, I feel like there wasn't as much hype around who's going to direct this movie. And even a lot of the folks involved in the writing side, they're all kind of just, like, Marvel heads that have been around and bounced around other projects, but they're not necessarily big names. So I just thought it was really interesting that even in like who was selected to make the movie, it was kind of like, hey, like you've worked on some of the Marvel TV stuff or whatever. Like this is kind of like a TV thing, but like on a bigger budget. Like it almost felt a little bit like that at times and maybe I'm just shortchanging it, but I don't know. I felt like I wanted a surer hand to have directed this movie because maybe there could have been more that was done with the like the larger story and we'll get into this i think at the end but like this definitely falls into the pitfalls of the classic marvel climax of like all right we're just gonna have some explosions and some stuff yeah. whatever like it, it it felt like it lost a lot of steam in the third act and i wonder if maybe a sure hand could have helped with that but that's just speculation on my part i think part of what you're saying though could be that the Marvel world is different in this day and age, right? When the first Marvel movie came out, you had to wait a year or two, like depending on the release schedule, to get your next bite of Marvel. But now with Disney+, Plus, they're able to do these like six-episode series and have these movies. So I think that the way they've mapped out this next phase is a little bit different. I think that this movie was kind of a transition. Like it was a full movie that they made just to kick off Hawkeye potentially. And they can have a six-episode Falcon and the Winter Soldier just to set up the next Captain America movie. Like they have the dollar they've proven themselves that they can waste a lot of energy on something that's only a transition which wasn't the case before right they still had to prove that marvel had the staying power and the fans were there for it but now it's that's proven it's done we're all here for it anything marvel from here on out whether it's shitty or not we're gonna see it (laughs) yeah so you know we talked a little bit about how we felt like this movie was maybe a little bit too late, but I do think Scarlett Johansson was actually really, really good in this as Natasha slash Black Widow. But I really feel like the addition of Florence Pugh as Yelena, who was her, you know, would-be sister, David Harbour as Alexi, who's their father, and Rachel Weisz, who played Melina as their mom. I really enjoyed the the cast dynamic 
and the interactions that we got from these four characters. And it feels like we've been saying this found family thing a lot lately, but like that really is like a really important part of this story. And I think the cast chemistry is really vital to making that work. And these people actually felt like they were a family in some capacity. And that had to be believable because the entire conceit of this movie is that these four were staged as a family for three years, 20 years ago, right? So they've actually been apart for longer than they were pretending to be a family, but those bonds that they formed in that time, it still draws them to one another and it still makes them want to help one another, even when they're upset with one another. So I was just really glad that all of that worked out because if those relationships fell flat, this whole movie would have just fallen apart. Oh yeah, 100%. And the casting was fantastic. I mean, I love Rachel and David and Florence, like all awesome casting. I thought they played really well off of each other. And another additional challenge that they had besides like the timing of when this movie is set is that they had to create a backstory for Natasha that fed into why she is who she is in all the movies that we've seen. I thought this did a great job because there's something about her, especially in the last two films of the last phase, like in Endgame and Infinity War, where you can see that she's the one trying to hold everybody together and the motion and like, I, I so drawn to her in those last two movies. And I think the point of that was to, when she does die, it just hurts so much more. But I can totally believe that knowing this was her past, that she didn't have a family, that she has this like broken life that she was able to slowly piece back together before she went to find her other family, as she says in the movie. So I thought they did a really good job of figuring out a way to make the Natasha that we know and love make sense. Yeah. Something I really liked about how they approach this family that was only together for three years because in the grand scheme of things, three years is not that long a time, but they made Yelena and Natasha just the right ages where when Natasha, when they flash back, she was like, what, 11, 12, still young, young enough that it was a critical period in her life to be like developing and think of these people as family, but she still remembers before they were her like fake family. But with Yelena's character, she was young enough that that was like the only family she knew. And the way that played out throughout the story, when they're sitting around the dinner table and talking about whether or not it was real, it really worked for me because, you know, when Yelena is six years old, that's, her only experience of a family. And we yeah. saw that. She talks about it. And Natasha, she you can see she feels that similarly, that this is her family, but she does remember the time before they were her quote-unquote family. So I think it really paid dividends later in the movie to like pick that time for each of them. Yeah. Yeah, and I think to add on to that, the they did a really great job casting the young Natasha because I felt like she was playing a lot of these emotions out in the very short flashback mm-hmm. that we got and maybe it was what less than 10 minutes long and you could see that you can see like her carefreeness at the beginning of the flashback when she's riding her bike to come home and she's playing with her sister and then you can see her energy change when their dad comes home and she realizes something is wrong and they have to start leaving and she's kind of resigned like she had like a resignation that belied her years like I was like why is this 12 year old child so stone-faced right now and then for her to have to like fly the plane because her mom got shot to me that was one of the best uses of a flashback that i've seen recently in a movie to help establish not only the character that we're going to meet later 
understanding the motivations and why they would react to certain situations in the way that they do, and then giving you some sort of emotional meat to hang on to because if you don't have that then it's just stuff happening to people especially when it's like these outlandish you know comic book scenarios it's like all right they're flying a plane over a prison and things are blowing up but like i was cheering for them because i wanted these that wanted that little girl to have her family back so to me like they did such a great job establishing like everything you needed to know and to kind of set this movie off on the right path i also love the scene in the flashback where um Natasha is holding a gun out and it's like, if you touch her, like, I'll kill you if you touch her. Like that moment of protectiveness. Like she knows that this is not her sister. She knows that she's an operative. Like she knows what she's doing. And yet her instincts to protect somebody who she loves as a sister, like somebody younger and weaker. I thought that was so great. I definitely was already crying at this point in the movie, you know, cry baby over here. Um, But again, it fed into so much of like, okay, this is the kind of person Natasha is. This is the kind of person who would sacrifice herself for her best friend Clint in Endgame. I know I keep talking about that, but it's impossible to not think of this movie in the context of Endgame, knowing like this is all like culminates to that because that is the end of her story. I definitely thought they did such a good job, you know, keeping her consistent no matter who she was and no matter what she was going through. It was all very believable that it led to that. I completely agree. Personally, I didn't realize that they weren't actually her biological family members until that scene where she's with Yelena and they say, you're not even my real sister when they're having a beer at that little like convenience store. Gas station. Yeah. Even though they reveal it slowly to you. Right. Right. Even though we know from when flashbacks in older Marvel movies that Natasha doesn't have a family and she was taken at a really young age. Like we know that previously, but even with that juxtaposing information we get, I wasn't convinced that wasn't her real family until they start, like you're saying, slowly rolling out. Well, you're not actually my sister. You're not actually my dad. It was very convincing that they were a real family, especially in that first scene when they're in Ohio. Yeah. And Malika, speaking of like Natasha's relationship to Clint, like their whole relationship too is kind of built upon a similar foundation to kind of what we see in this movie in that he's helping her exercise her past demons, right? Mm -hmm. So their friendship is born out of her desire to quote unquote be better. Like she wants to get out of this life that she's been placed in. You can see from these flashbacks that that is something she's been striving for since she was a little kid. So it actually adds an even extra dimension to her friendship with Clint because it makes sense why she would not fixate, but like why she's so attached to this person who gives her her salvation. And that's, that's why she feels about it anyway. And that's why I thought it was really interesting choice for the act that proved that she was out of the widows and like moved her out of the thumb of Drakov actually turned out to be a lie because think about how, earth shattering that would be to someone like Natasha. Like she's the kind of person that seems like she trusts and loves completely. Right. Like if you say, if you go through some shit with her, she's like, you're my people. Even if I don't like you, I will be there for you. And so that's why it's so important for her when she finds out that Drakehoff's still alive, that she's like, Oh, I actually am not done with that part of my past. And so I really like that as a setup because it's very true to her character. Like it is the exact type of thing that you'd say, yes, this would actually force her to come out of hiding because she was chilling in Norway. Like she was like, she didn't have to do any of this. Right. 
Right. And she didn't know that her quote unquote sister was still part of it. If she had known Yelena was still part of this larger widow scheme, she probably would have come out sooner. So again, like very well, like woven in the storyline of why she's here now and why we never saw her family before and, you know, all that stuff. Um, But I did want to say with the relationship with Clint is that did you guys notice that Natasha wears a arrow necklace? And I was like, oh, that's a lovely little like touch. It kept catching my eye. And I actually did some research to see like why like it feels like a little much because they're not romantically attached in the Marvel universe or the cinematic universe. They are in the comic world. Apparently they were exes, but they still work. They have like a romantic on and again, off again past, but they didn't choose to do that here. They paired her up with Bruce Banner instead and gave Hawkeye his own family. But I was like, okay, that's sort of a nod to their deep relationship and maybe to the comics. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. Surprisingly, that's not your fun fact. No, it's not. (laughs) I think it plays well with Natasha's role of being a spy. You know, not a superhero, but kind of a mysterious figure that for most of the MCU, we don't really know her past or much about her past. We just know that she's good at getting in with people. She's a spy. That's what she is. She's a spy. And... Throughout the MCU, she kind of has similar relationships with a lot of the Avengers, especially before they become the Avengers. Like with Tony in Iron Man 2, she has kind of like a flirty thing when she's trying to get in with him. She obviously has some sort of special bond with Captain America, Steve Rogers, that lasts all the way through till Endgame. Obviously, like you said, with Hawkeye, they're very close. They've worked together for a long time. And then she has a little bit more of an implied romance with Bruce Banner all the way through until he flies away in Thor Ragnarok and she doesn't see him for years. But <laughs> she she kind of has this mysterious connection to a bunch of different people throughout the entire cinematic universe that lends credence to her role as a spy, that her strengths are getting in with people and forming those relationships with people. Yeah. I mean, you saying that and laying it out like that kind of gets me a little riled up again. Again, I really did love this movie, but she's kind of the sidekick in all of those movies, right? She's supporting other people. And even in a movie called Black Widow, in a way, she was kind of the sidekick again because- Yeah, she was like the co-lead. She was the co-lead because they're basically setting up Yelena to take on the mantle. She's going to show up in the Hawkeye series, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's other movies with her. And they very much gave a lot of the best lines to Yelena because they wanted you all to like her, and it worked. I loved Florence Pugh in this. But again, like, this, it wasn't a Black Widow movie. It was a family movie about the, all of them. I don't know. Family. It's just like, oh, she deserved more. We were just missing Dom Toretto. Yeah. The more we talk about it, the more it, like, just, like, gets at me. So what I'm hearing is that there should be a Black Widow Fast and the Furious spinoff movie because no one dies in Fast and the Furious. Therefore, <laughs> Natasha comes back to life, joins Dom's family, lives a second life. Boom. I would watch that movie in a heartbeat. I would camp Honestly, out all night to watch that movie. Can we get Scarlett Johansson? To the, like, I'm not even joking right now. Like, they have Charlize. Like, like why not? <laughs> I would not be surprised. I mean, anything can happen. All right. Can we talk about Drakeoff a little bit? He's kind of the elephant in the room. I thought he was like a very up and down villain, if you will, because he's clearly the central 
character that, you know, he runs the Black Widow program. He's responsible for the fake family that Natasha and Yelena and Alexi and Melina live through in Ohio. He's still secretly running the Black Widow program from the sky, I guess, uh, after he was supposedly assassinated. But, like, I didn't really understand like what his end goal was and they even kind of commented on that in the movie where natasha's like goading him and was like oh yeah you're doing all this stuff from the sky but like no one even knows so what's the point like what are you getting out of this and like it almost felt like that character existed to just be like a harvey weinstein like stand-in or you know what i mean like, he yeah. was just there to be like to be defeated and the stuff <laughs> where like she couldn't touch him was a little on the nose for me. A like, you can't hurt walk. me, even if you wanted to. Some of it was a little too, like, on the nose, me too. And I have no problem with it being this girl power, like, female empowerment movie and, like, well, calling out Hollywood. Like, that part <laughs> didn't bother me at all because, like, as we've talked about already, like, part of my annoyance with, you know, the way they treated Black Widow is that she was one of the strong female characters and she didn't get her due. So, obviously, Marvel has not always treated its female characters as well as it should. So, having this movie sort of speak to that, I have no problem with it. But little too on the nose where it's like, okay, this is our answer. Dun, dun, dun. We, we Look, we listened. Like, I don't know. I just feel like they could have made it a little bit more subtle and... I don't know. What do you guys think? I'm more trying to decide whether or not I liked it. I guess that means I didn't mind it in the movie because while I was watching it, it didn't really stand out to me because I think it kind of makes sense in that when she was in the program, they used more psychological conditioning to get her ingrained in and indoctrinated into their widow's program. And then... As time moves forward, they advance their technology in ways that make them more, I guess, impossible to escape. And it very much... Yeah, it's like more of a bioweapon at that point. Yeah, and it very much fits the Marvel universe of taking it a step further each time. Kind of these almost supernatural, but not quite... It fits like a comic book type storyline, right? Like a special chemical. It's like the super soldier serum, but a more damaging type of chemical weaponry but at the same time i do agree it is a little on the nose but in the movie it didn't stand out too much to me like i kind of rolled with it i didn't have a problem with it in theory but like the more they explained how it all worked that's just the stupider it sound especially in the context of mm-hmm. drake off <laughs> specifically recruiting young women and also stealing young women like i like i'd like to talk about this because they don't actually mention like you know human trafficking or thing like that but that's exactly what happens like right. he's paying off people for their children he is stealing children it's not just like people that were going to be orphaned or something he's straight up recruiting young girls for nefarious purposes so that is why i feel like the weinstein kind of esque you know nature of it like made itself apparent at least to me and i guess malika as well because he's like targeting vulnerable young women and then also using biology so that they can't like harm him. It was just like, it was so weird. And like, it also started getting me thinking of like, wait, if you have this kind of technology, why would you waste it on widows? Why wouldn't you just fucking right. put the president of all the major countries under your spell? You can do whatever the hell you want. This is much simpler, yeah. isn't it not? Like nobody <laughs> knows where you are or if you're alive, like this is what you choose to do. Are you a good, bad guy? It's not a president, but in this universe, He's saying that's kind of at the end of the movie, the climax of the movie. He says, when I have an Avenger, there's 
nothing that's stopping me now. Like he has the ultimate trump card as far as this widow program goes. Like the most powerful, influential person in this universe that he could realistically have under his control while staying behind the scenes. She's the final piece for him. So But I guess my argument is, does he really need her if he's as good of a bad guy as he's supposed to be? If his widows are as talented as they're supposed to be, like, couldn't he have had them all infiltrate the Avengers? Clearly, they trusted anyone. They like Natasha got in. All you have to do is get five feet in front of them and blow some crystals in their fucking face. Like, it wouldn't have been that hard. I feel like (laughs) that could have been a really cool concept if he tries to take over all the Avengers. I mean, that's sort of what Loki does. But I think that like there's there's more there that they could have done with him and also like I think part of the on the nose for me is that they kind of cast an actor that had a similar build I don't know he also like visually reminded me physically of Harvey Weinstein too so and then some of the things he said where he like got really close to their faces I don't know it was just a little on the nose fine with like the overall idea of it but I just wish they would pull they would have pulled back a little bit on the similarities there interestingly enough I actually think what made it work better for me was Ray Winstone's performance as Drakov because I thought he did a great job. He was so repugnant, but yes. not in a way that was <laughs> too over the top for me. He was kind of a believable, just evil, greedy man, like old, gross dude who, <laughs> but accurate and was mean and just awful but also really stupid and not yeah. true. Like, you know what I mean? Like he literally was caught monologuing and which allowed black widow to basically formulate her whole plan of like, yeah. And steal his ring. The, yeah. Severing the nerves. So she couldn't smell his fair. Like he was kind of an idiot at the same time. Okay. The severing the nerve part was something that I was like, ah, oh, come on. She just That's where you draw the face. line. You're fine with pheromone locks, but someone smashing <laughs> their face to, to sever the nerve to their olfactory. Well, as someone like, who on. recently just smashed their face, I, it was like, <laughs> True, I don't know yeah. if that severs any pheromone lines. I recently did something similar. so I feel like it would be not impossible, but like a one in a million thing. Yeah, agreed. Incredible. For that to be the one thing that frees her seemed a little too convenient. All right, so we talked about some of the things in the movie that didn't work like Drakov, but... Let's get into some of the categories and let's start with Pitch Perfect. So I have only one nominee. There can only be one. The lovely Florence Pugh as Yelena. I thought she was a revelation. It just goes to show you that if you give a good actor any material, and this wasn't like bad material by any means, but like they can elevate it. And we've seen now that Florence Pugh can do drama. She can do comedy. She can do action. She can do it all. And I, for one, am so happy that they're setting her up to be a recurring character and to come back into the MCU because I think, A, we need more female characters just off the bat. And she really just adds a certain extra something that I want to see her interacting with other MCU characters. I want to see her playing off other people. Do you have any other nominees for for Pitch Perfect? No, I think that's the only answer. She was amazing. She was so funny. Her delivery, her dry lines, it was just perfect. She was the great. scene where she's like making fun of uh, Natasha for like the little pose that she does. Oh my God. Yes. I am dying. Yeah. One of the funniest things I watched recently. She's like, what is that little pose that you do? It's not even useful. You just go and you flip your hair back and it just 
crying in the theater. Like, oh my um, God. And then she does it and then she's like, oh, I want to vomit. Like, it's, it was really funny. <laughs> and she that was, felt like she something hit the a right sister tone. would do. Yeah, it was so good. It was like, you are a little sister, aren't you? It was perfect. If there's one thing that the MCU has done phenomenally across the board, it's their casting. Like, yeah. every single Marvel movie, it seems like perfect casting, if you ask me. If there's one, there may be a couple people who I didn't like in their roles. Personally, this is kind of a tangent, but I am not a huge Anthony Mackie fan. But other than that, they get fantastic actor and actresses into their movies just in general. And then they put them in roles that seem to fit the actor and actress themselves. It's hardly ever in doubt. And it's one of the one things that moving forward in all upcoming Marvel movies, like I don't really question, even if it doesn't seem right, right off the bat to hire a specific actor in a role, I usually have faith in it because they've been so spot on up until this point. That actually, that leads me perfectly into my fun fact. Well, so originally Emily Blunt was actually cast as Black Widow and she had to drop out because she had the studio deal, I think with Devil Wears Prada, where she had to do another movie. She had to drop out due to filming conflicts with Gulliver's Travels, which is that Jack Black flop that came out years and years ago. I don't even remember that movie. And this actually breaks my heart because I am the biggest Emily Blunt fan. I think she's amazing in everything she's in and... Honestly, I'm not the biggest Scarlett Johansson fan. Even though I'm so sad about the, their treatment of Natasha Romanoff, I think I would have loved to see the alternate reality where Emily Blunt was her because I think she could have crushed it. Especially after seeing Emily in um, Edge of Tomorrow, which is one of my favorite action movies. Like She would have crushed it. She would have been so good. But, you know, that's, a, that's for another sure. lifetime. I also love Emily Blunt and I think she probably would have been great as Natasha Romanoff but I'm glad we got ScarJo because she's awesome as well yeah I think this is a case of like the role fitting the actor like I agree I don't I mean Scarlett Johansson like I don't I'm not saying she can't act or anything like that because like I oh, think she's great. she just doesn't maybe yeah that's what I'm saying I think she has like a pretty good range but I do think this is also a case of like this was a good fit for her like she was able to do a lot of things that are like oh, show off her skill set as Black Widow. She got to be serious. She got to be vulnerable. She got to be tough. So like, I think it was just like a perfect fit. But Malika, this whole thing is like blowing my mind with Emily Blunt. And now I would love a Marvel what if. And Mm -hmm. if they casted Emily Blunt just to do like a one-off episode as Natasha Romanoff, because I feel like that'd be incredible. I know, right? I would love to see that. I agree with you guys. Scarlett Johansson has done a great job over all of these movies, but I can't help but love my girl Emily and want her to be Black Widow. Would have been great. And what about you, Will? What would you change? So something I would change has been something that I feel like has plagued the Marvel movies, almost all of them, in the third act where they almost get too big for their britches. This movie was a spy movie at heart. It's operating behind the scenes, undercover, on the run, hiding from people. And the whole climax of them going to the red room, which is actually a ship up in the sky. And then it's falling from the sky. And then there's all these like crazy action stunts on the way down. I feel like it would have worked much better if it was just a more normal spy movie approach. Like 
if the red room was somewhere hidden, but it was a normal building that they had to find and just kind of spy their way in there and then do whatever they had to do and then spy their way out. I think it would have fit the tone of the rest of the movie better than kind of a classic Marvel, like huge, crazy set piece at the end where something's falling from the sky and they're parachuting away. That just kind of felt separate from the tone of the rest of the movie. Yeah, I completely agree, Will. And like, I think even stepping on your toes a little bit, like a a way to have maybe wrapped this up in, in a more thematically like satisfying way they could have still gone to the red room in the sky so we find out that drakov's daughter who natasha thinks that she killed is drakov's right hand and like kind of robocop s figure that he sends out on missions and i think it would have been a lot more interesting if the climax of the movie had been if natasha reconnected with drakov's daughter actually like got through to her through talking and like hitting on the notes of family and all these things that she's coming to appreciate. And if Drakov's daughter had been the one to like ultimately get rid of her father and then black widow and her family just like got away. Like they just spied their way out of the red room and the destruction of the red room was left to the one person who Drakov kept the closest, but really was like completely removed from him because he treated her like just like another widow. So I think that could have been a lot more like, thematically satisfying had that been the culmination yeah and as we've talked about yes black widow is extremely proficient in her hand-to-hand combat in close situations but her real strength is that she is more of a normal person she doesn't have superpowers she's not captain america who has super strength and super speed and can jump over buildings and stuff she's a normal person and so for that end piece to be flying through the sky like grabbing parachutes as they're falling down like basically flying it just didn't seem like it fit black widow up until that point and as you were saying clay if she used what we talked about her ability to get close to people and her ability Mm -hmm. to get close to antonia and like get under the skin of Drakov and more of a traditional spy role i think it would have been a more satisfying and logical ending to this than just like some super explosion in the sky fight to the death falling to the ground type of situation that we got. Damn, Marvel needs to hire us as like (laughs) fucking writers. We're so good. Um, Yeah, I agree with you guys. And now that you're saying that, I kind of wish we saw some of that OG Natasha that we see in the first Avengers movie where she's playing with these emotions of these gangster guys and that she can turn it on, turn it off to get what she wants. Because in this movie, in Black Widow, we actually see Natasha as the Avenger, not as Natasha as her like old school, like Black Widow pre. And I know this movie takes place in between all the Avenger movies, but it could have been a great opportunity to bring us back to some of that classic Black Widow that we got to see in some of the early movies instead of giving us like the already evolved Natasha Black Widow. So let's talk about the J.B. Smooth Award. For those of you that do not know, the J.B. Smooth Award is something we started in our very first episode when we did Spider-Man Far From Home. And it really is just identifying the person place thing plot whatever it may be that just really stood out and just felt like it was apart from the rest of the movie and i only have one nominee it has to be rachel vice's accent because (laughs) what the hell was going on she was russian she was english she was russian english she was american like 
there was a lot in general when it comes to like doing accents in some of these movies like you have to wonder like is this really necessary and I think it just stood out because I felt at the very least Florence Pugh's accent was fairly good I mean I'm not the one to judge but I thought it was pretty okay and David Harbour's was over the top in a way that made sense for his character whereas yeah. Rachel Weisz was a much more subdued figure and like her her accent just like made her seem a little out there am, am I wrong no <laughs> Not at all. Yeah, I mean, all the accents were a little, like, all over the place, but hers stood out the most. In the grand scheme of things, like, we've watched movies where all the characters are in, like, Italy, but they all have British accents. Like, they're, it just, accents are all over the map anyway, so it's something that I've just been accustomed to, like, overlooking. I suspend my disbelief when it comes to accents, unless it's really, really egregious, but my actual vote is that the base in the sky, I thought that was kind of dumb. I'm sorry. So stupid. But like, oh, they can't find it because it's in the sky? Like, this is modern times, right? Where they have satellites and shit. And this major yeah, like, on. building in the sky, you can't find it? I don't know. I would have rather it been and like an ice palace or something. up to it? <laughs> yeah. Like, it was insane. Like, make it underwater, maybe? Like, I don't know. There's a lot of options. And then it ties into Godzilla Kong. And then oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's okay. in, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's in Hollow Earth. That would have been quite <laughs> impossible to find. And they need a giant axe key to access it. But, yeah, I just thought that was really stupid. Totally agree. I, no, that you're is right. My nomination. That's, that's the JB Smoot. I mean, that's why it was my thing I would change. It was just fucking stupid to have this big yeah, thing in the yeah, sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when it fell out of the sky, I was like, oh, cool. And they never mentioned this in any of the movies. Yeah, it happened to fall on just like a random open field somewhere. And like, also, right, it's fine. like, for them to have this whole contrived plan to bring it down to the ground, and then what actually ends up exploding the whole red room was like one grenade like shot up <laughs> into a turbine it's like that's true why didn't you just start with that or i mean that was like the backup because their whole plan was to not have to run for their lives to get out of there so i understand yeah, that it bit. was just kind of a deus ex machina <sighs> almost i just want to yeah. give an honorable mention jb smooth award to the number of like slow mo ass shots of Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> like I'm not really complaining, but at the same time, for like kind of the themes and messages of the movie to like parallel them with these like voyeuristic under the butt, yeah, under the butt <laughs> shots of ScarJo, I was like, this is kind of oxymoron, but I appreciate it. I did not notice that, but I will take your word <laughs> for it that you would notice it. <laughs> Oh, man. And on the flip side, we have a new award, right? The Wink Award. So we award this to the side character that kind of steals the show. And this is in honor of Wink, the dog from Cruella. So this is only going to be our second time awarding the Wink Award. I'm very excited about this. And I have one nominee, but I'm curious to hear your opinions, Malika and Will. For me, it's definitely David Harbour. I thought he was incredible. Every scene he was at, he was chewing the scenery, especially those that whole jail scene or when he has this obsession with Captain America and beating him. I don't know. I just loved it. I love this idea that this crazy guy was the only father figure that Scarlett Johansson's ever had. Uh, I thought he was excellent. And it really worked because not only was David Harbour the actor chewing the scenery and basking in the limelight of his character, but it fit 
the Red Guardian right, as a right. character where he was always looking for that glory and that attention and basking in his past successes and former fame. So I agree. I would say the Red Guardian. Yeah, yeah 100%. That was also my nominee. I would totally love a like short run MCU show that's like the Red Guardian in prison or you know what I mean? Just like put David Harbour in some random situation in the past and just let him chew up the yeah. scenery. I'd watch it. <laughs> I mean, I will put money on it that we will see him again. Oh, sure. I mean, they didn't kill any of them for a reason, right? They wanted the opportunity to bring them back. So if they either show up in the Hawkeye series or in future movies, I would not be surprised at all. 1000%. All right. How about some quick hits before we wrap up and rate this movie? I have to say the other little thing that bothered me are those red vials that were sort of throughout the full movie. They just like happened to show up at the most convenient times. Like the, all of them seem to be wrapped up together and then tied to a grenade. Oh, they're all gone. Oh, but you need one more to, um, to clone so you can save the rest of the widows. Oh, we have one conveniently. Oh, you need one more to land right next to you while you're fighting this, the big bad and like smash it in her face. Oh, how convenient normally those things you like you take with a grain of salt you're like fine they got to move the movie along but it happened too many times where i was like come on come on there's got to be a better way just show us that she takes one out and puts it in her pocket how hard is that yeah or they could have easily had like since milena was like the scientific brain behind all of this like they could have shown that she had like a whole supply of them and they like swipe them in the flashback when they're formulating the plan like it just made zero sense like where are all these fucking vials come none of them ever broke like unexpectedly right. and they even say this is all of them right like they know that this is their only supply they create a sense of scarcity and then apparently they show up everywhere i have like a couple little nitpicky things because like since you mentioned milena one of the things that I didn't quite get was when they go to Milena's farm, house, whatever, she clearly calls Drakov to come capture them as someone who's still working for Drakov. But then does that mean in like the five to ten minutes between her calling them and then them showing up, Natasha was able to like bring her back to the family side to help work for them because the whole twist is that like she you know calls them to get captured and then they're all betrayed and then we don't know that actually she was working with them until we see like a flashback but it's not much time between like her calling Drakov and then we see in a flashback that her and Natasha are setting this up but you have to remember, she probably called him when they first arrived and she didn't know what their agenda was. And then you have all of this like emotional conversation that happens around a dinner table. And I get, yeah, it's a short period of time. But honestly, the what bothered me more is her hairstyle change. Like when did she have time to go from a braided Braids, crown to yes. a ponytail? Like where are the where are all the um the curls from the braid? Uh-huh. That would did you get a flat iron out in ten minutes? Should have like, had ringlets. Like what the hell, man? That <laughs> bothered me more Things than her changing I would her never mind. Notice. Because, you know, minds can be changed in ten minutes. Will you notice Garjo's butt? Malika and I notice <laughs> the lack of ringlets. Like that's just the yeah. way that it works. Like but it should Malika, be like crimped. I completely agree <laughs> with you. My read on the situation was that she alerted Drakov as soon as they arrived because there's like a moment where she's like saying, oh, I'm putting away my weapon. Right. But her hand lingers in the the room. So my understanding is that there's probably some sort of panic switch and she Mm -hmm. hit that. 
and then it just takes a while apparently exactly. to fucking drop down from the sky or whatever. But in the like, <laughs> right. I don't know how long it was exactly, but it would have to have been a couple of hours considering there was time enough to them to make and eat dinner. So my understanding is that by the time they have dinner and then Yelena gets upset and runs off because they're saying how like their family wasn't real. There's those conversations between Alexi and Yelena and Natasha and Melina are happening concurrently, even though we don't see them concurrently. Right, exactly. So the idea is that an, a decent amount of time has passed and that Melina and Natasha have had their breakthrough. And we see that when Natasha notices Melina saved the photo album from when they had that fake family. And I think that's supposed to be the trigger point in like, hey, if you really don't believe all this stuff, why did you keep this photo album? Especially after you told me not to take it when we yeah. were leaving Ohio. That makes sense. So I right, think the right. implication, which I hate this when you don't see that emotional turn happen on screen i think the implication is that it happened off screen after that point and then that's when they were forming their whole plan the one thing i would like to nitpick from this whole thing though is where the fuck did they get those face changing like where did that come from did she just have those lying around did they think they were in the mission impossible franchise i know i yeah i I was trying to remember if they've used them in other movies because they've definitely used them in mission impossible but they use them in the winter soldier so like we've seen Uh, them in the mcu but only in the context of like the Avengers and stuff and like working with S.H.I.E.L.D. So it's like, does Natasha just have a few of those like hanging around for... I mean, she had a, like a whole gadget situation. Yeah. Maybe she um, did. <laughs> yeah, maybe she did. But I think you're right, Clay. They sacrificed the emotional beats there and the depth for the reveal, for that yeah. later like, oh, we tricked you. That's actually ScarJo, not Rachel. And I don't know how much value there was in that like, you know, switcheroo because he... The bad guy figures it out. Right. It doesn't even pay off. (laughs) So why not just like walk in as yourself? Um, But I think it was part of like the like the building tension that they were trying to do. Eh. I thought the movie kind of started to fall apart at that point. It was the weakest part of the movie is that whole like as soon as I get to the red room, it just becomes kind of blah. It doesn't ruin the whole movie for me, but it is definitely not the strongest part of the film. So when... We're at the end of this whole red room falling to the ground. They do their hugs and kisses goodbye. You know, Yelena and Co are leaving, and ScarJo, Natasha is like, I need to stay and face the music, right? Secretary Ross is coming here to pick me up. I have nowhere to run. She's going to be arrested because this is after the events of Civil War, where her and Captain America's crew are the outlaws. And then it just kind of cuts to black. And the next thing we see is she has like blonde hair and she's meeting again with her connect guy who got her a jet and she's just like free. Like what, what happened there? Like did secretary. Oh, I think that's like, she's an Avenger now and that's where she gets the Avenger jet. No, or no, that's what I'm saying. So this is after civil war. So they broke the Sokovia accords. The rest of the people who were on that side of the civil war. So, she was originally with Tony, but then she kind of helped Captain America and then she became like a fugitive more or less. That's why she's on the run at the beginning of the movie and she said the Avengers broke up. And that's why Secretary Ross is like, we're looking for Black Widow because we're going to put her in that like high security prison with the rest of them. But then at the end of the events of Black Widow, that's what the cars are coming to like get her because Secretary Ross knows where she is. And so she's like, you guys leave, I'll stay, I'll face the music. And then we get like that final shot of her like standing around all the burning building of the Red Room. And it's like a tracking shot around her standing in like her hero pose. And the cars are coming to get her. 
and then it cuts to black and then we cut to her like in the forest in the field, in the somewhere. field somewhere like getting on a jet it's like Wait, what happened between those two things? How did you yeah. get out of custody of Secretary? Yeah, I completely agree. I was like, you could just cut the entire Secretary Ross thing and just had her show up with the jet and be blonde. I would have been like, yeah. <laughs> but what was the whole point of that in the first place? Why well, Just like her final goodbye? If you go back to the original plan, they weren't supposed to blow up the Red Room. They were supposed to capture Drakov, and that's why she downloaded all of the information about his widow program and put it on that flash drive. And I think the idea was... I'm going to give this to Secretary Ross so that Drakov can't escape, but then Drakov dies anyway. So at that point, I didn't even understand what difference it made. I guess it was to free the rest of the widows. Like, that's the only thing Yeah, I think to give of. them she a cheated. chance to get away while she holds up. Yeah. Like, but then how did she get out of custody herself? It makes, makes zero no sense. sense. Like, they could have had a throwaway line saying, like, hey, in exchange for this information, we're going to let you go. That never happened. So it was just, like, really weird. Uh, like, you just can't even think about yeah. it at this point. I didn't get huh. it. Interesting. We have to talk about the post credit scene. We alluded to it earlier. We were talking about how Yelena goes to visit Black Widow's grave. And we know that she's going to be a main character in the Hawkeye series. But um, this other mysterious new character that's now shown up in Falcon and the Winter Soldier shows up again, um, played by the amazing Julie Louis-Dreyfus as Valentina. I know nothing about this character. I don't know. You guys are more into the Marvel comics than I am, but... Do you know anything about her? Like, they keep teasing her, and I'm not sure where this is going. So, I haven't read the comics for this, but I have read some speculation forums and whatnot, if you will. And my understanding is that Valentina, she basically runs, like, a Marvel version of, like, the Suicide Squad. So, Mm. we see her basically recruiting not-quite-heroes, anti-heroes, people on the fringes of the MCU to basically form like her version of the suicide squad, which I think is called like the Thunderbolts or something. So ah, we see she's recruited, okay. you know, the agent? Costco cap, the US agent, AKA USA agent. Costco <laughs> cap. Oh, I like That's that. Great. It's definitely Costco cap. And now we're yeah. seeing her recruit Yelena and I'm sure she'll pop up and there'll be other Got characters. It. I'd be very shocked if Zemo, wasn't also part of it at oh, some point. Oh, Zemo's you know I mean? great, though. He's awesome. Yeah, so I I think that's the direction yeah. that they're leading. I wonder if it's going to be like a show. Like, it's basically going to be like a motley crew of, like, mm. these anti-heroes and, like, would-be heroes. So that's my speculation anyway, but yeah. Interesting. That would be cool. Okay, cool. They're clearly setting up for something beyond the Hawkeye series. They're definitely setting up for another storyline here. So let's see how it all plays out. Indeed. All right. And with that, let's rate this movie. I can start. Just in the grand scheme of the Marvel movies, I think it's like pretty square in the middle, and that's where my rating is. So I'll give it like a 3.2 out of 5 Red Guardian action figures. It was good, but it wasn't really good, and it wasn't bad. So I liked it. I think I agree with you. I think I'm also going to give it a 3.2 out of 5 Arrow necklaces because it was slightly better than... A solid average three, but it wasn't that much more. So um, while it was super enjoyable and I would probably watch this again, there were a couple of things that could have been stronger. And so uh, the whole ending, I would argue, for that reason, it's going to stay at a 3.2 for me. All right. This might be a first because I was thinking 3.25 out of five. 
vest with pockets. Ooh, the pockets. Um, yes. Oh my god, I love that. That was it amazing. I love I love a piece of garment with pockets. Uh, yes. But yeah, I, I definitely felt like this was good, not great. Definitely more enjoyable at parts, and then kind of a mess towards the end, which I think was a big mark against it. But overall, like to your point earlier, Will, like if someone said, "Hey, would would you recommend I watch this movie?" Honestly, I would just say yes. Like whether you like Marvel movies or not, if you're interested enough to ask about it, I think it's worth watching. I had a great time. And I'm just glad we're seeing Marvel kind of create more of these female-fronted stories. And let's hope that the next ones are more fleshed out and they serve the characters a little bit better. But yeah, I think we're the first time we have all basically agreed on a rating. Can we mark this occasion somehow? I mean, Mortal Kombat threatened to tear us apart, but Scarlett Johansson and Black Widow brought us together. So. Thanks, Garjo. What does that say about us? Thanks. Oh, Black Widow brought the Avengers together, so she brought us together. It feels right. Aww. So that's it for Black Widow. I had a lot of fun talking about this movie. I love fun watching this movie. Until next time, you can catch us on Facebook and Instagram at CynicalPod and follow our wonderful sound producer and engineer, Aaron, at ak.audio on Instagram. Ta-ta! Bye! <laughs> Bye!